So good morning, everyone. My name is Roberta. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader and just delighted to be here this morning. I've never been to this meeting. And like uh, Christine said earlier, it's her weekly, her home meeting. And I know how important it is to have a home meeting. And it just has that friendly feeling. And I'm glad that we started off with the reading from for today. I haven't been reading that book. I switched them around and uh, it was wonderful to read about patience and how it will come to us. I do have complete belief that if I don't run after it, it has started to come more and more in my life and it has just opened up energies that I didn't have before. So grateful. So I've been in program a long time, 40, over 43 years. And the first 21 years of program, I came in hundred pounds overweight. I had just uh, approaching my 40th birthday and wanted to do something about this for the umpteenth time after many tries with the diets and Weight Watchers and what have you. And each time I would lose weight only to gain back more. So when I came in and I heard that it was a disease, it was a very, um, it was like something was lifted. It was no longer my fault. And I no longer had to, um, you know, feel like a failure. It wasn't about my inability to stay on a diet and willpower. And um, so that, that was wonderful. And it is a dis-ease of the body. When I'm uncomfortable with my body, I have this issue and no amount of food or, you know, is going to make me feel better, even though it seems like that is the solution. Um, the food isn't the problem either. It was life on life's terms, living life. Um, yeah, so I, um, I grew up in a loving home. I don't know why I got this disease, whether we're predisposed through our genetic family, um, you know, the um, food was very prevalent and very center. So it seemed like the normal way to soothe myself when anything didn't quite go the way I expected it to. So I'm about, I'm celebrating, I have over 21 years of abstinence. So my first uh, half of, you know, I lost a hundred pounds. I went on the speaker circuit. I did my step work, but I didn't, I didn't have the spiritual solution. I was always seeking God my whole life. And um, I just didn't realize that the answer is within, we already have it. <laughs> it's always needing to be the student to find the answer. And really it's inside. It's that intuition. It's that, that soul, that, that small voice that, that speaks to me, that knows better. And um, I'm not saying that God is also not all around and the creator and we all have personal gods, but it's been a quest for me in the program. And um, I don't know what caused the switch 
in 2002. I had already retired from teaching and I was getting up in the morning and still um, oh, another day. I wasn't living in that beautiful penthouse that Roseanne envisioned when she said beyond our wildest dreams. I was on the sidewalk and every day was pretty good and I got through it and there were some good things and bad, but I wanted more and I knew there was more promised in this program. So I got a sponsor who helped me to seek God and be more open. And, um, you know, the big book says it clearly that it's a spiritual malady. It's not about the food and it's not about um, total emotional maladjustment. It's a, it's a spiritual malady and it's a little bit of a mystery. I don't know exactly what spiritual means, but I do know that once I fully said, okay, I'm not the top dog anymore and was willing to seek a higher power, um, things changed in my life. I've always had a sponsor. I sponsor a number of people. I, to me, that is the essence. It's like God with skin on, the people in this program. And um, the more I stay connected, the better my life is. So I um, don't know what food plan anyone is on, whether you're a way and measuring person, whether you're an intuitive eater. It's not so much about the food plan that we follow, but just the fact that I'm not in charge, making space for the, the mystery of God. During the pandemic, I became very uh, much taken with meditation. I've always done it, but um, I, I was exposed to mindfulness meditation, took a class with this wonderful person who I see is online and um, sending all my love. And that started me on a routine, a daily morning routine that was consistent. And whether I started with five minutes and then did 15 and 20 and now a half hour or 40 minutes, just starting my day, sitting quietly and meditating. And there are many ways to meditate, whether you concentrate on breath, whether you do a guided meditation. Now I'm very much aware of reflective meditation, which kind of just gives me time to let my mind go and uh, focus wherever it goes. And then I do very often a body scan and check in with my body. And I make sure that I connect with my heart, which needs to always be more open and my soul, which is uh, still a mystery. Uh, I'm reading a book now about many lives and it talks about reincarnation and so much of it is a mystery. But the consistency of doing the meditation and just start with a minute. There are apps that you can use on the phone that are very helpful. And that commitment is very important to me. And I do it consistently. It calms me down. It makes me realize, I mean, sometimes I go on an app and it says 600,000 people are here today. <laughs> it reminds me that I'm just one speck 
on, uh, in, in this world. So that started and I became very interested in something called emotional sobriety. And I went to some workshops online. Uh, the Zoom world um, was really, it was so different for us because of course I missed the hugs at the meetings and everything because that's what filled me. And I come from Long Island and we had a great fellowship there. So we'd go to meetings, we'd go out to meals afterward. We'd go into New York City and see shows together. We'd go shopping. I'd play golf with friends, play mahjong. It was a great fellowship. And just like the big book says, and there is a solution, it's a two-part thing. We have the steps of this program, which gave me a way to live my life. I never was a big Ten Commandment follower. You know, God was very remote in my family. I grew up Jewish, but it was more the culture and the celebrations, uh, but not so much the feeling of God. So the steps gave me a way to live my life. And, you know, after you do your fourth step and you give it away, and then you spend the rest of your life in six and seven, you make your amends and all the defects and the things that once were important to me and helped me, like my impatience, today's reading about patience. My mother in my high school yearbook wrote, Dear Roberta, I hope that you get patient. And, you know, I have to tell you a funny story because I have, I'm going to Israel in two weeks. My, one of my grandchildren, my grandson is getting married and they're very orthodox. So I have to wear a very modest gown. And I tried putting a shirt under what I had and they rejected it. They didn't like it. They said, don't worry, mom, you come and we'll find you something. We can rent something. So I kind of let it go to fate and I didn't buy a dress or anything. And yesterday I was doing my daily walk. And that's another important thing about my program. I need to exercise and get my body moving each day. And on my walk, I passed a house and it said estate sale. So on the way back, I was, and by, by, by the way, my walk, I found out, I live in Los Angeles now, and I found out that the mayor's house is about a mile and a half away from my house. So that's usually my destination. I walk to the mayor's house. I haven't seen the mayor and there's a new mayor, but that's my destination. And on the way back, I decided to stop at this estate sale. And I walked through, I had no idea what I was looking for, was gonna find. And in the bedroom, they had marvelous clothes. And there was this black, stunning beaded evening gown up to the neck, long sleeves, a long gown, and it looked like it would fit me. And I tried it on and I can't believe it. I think I found the wedding gown. <laughs> so when I'm willing to let it go, it comes to me. I mean, I bought it. I sent the picture to my son and daughter-in-law. It's Shabbos today, so I won't hear from them till tomorrow. And we'll see. But those are the kind of things that I live life just a little lighter. Everything is not so heavy because I know that there is a solution. And as long as I stay in that positive frame of mind and have positive intentions, and I was patient. You know, I was patient with the dress 
And um, we'll see. We'll see if that's the right one or not, but it's stunning. And I think it will be the right one. So what do I do every day? I, I start my day with meditation and prayer and certain readings. And I've been doing a two-way prayer letter to God for the last few years where whatever, you know, I read something spiritual before and whether it's an outside book or one of our daily books, and it just kind of starts me with an inspiration. And then I'll ask God a question or talk to him about what's going on in my life. And then I, I get an answer from God. God. <clears throat> and it's always, dear sweetheart, honey girl, my darling Roberta, it's always with love and kindness. I've learned in this program, <clears throat> I, I always grew up wanting, and I was a pretty good student, but that was the goal, to get 100, to get A+. Plus. And in the program, I've really been learning that kindness is more important than smartness. You know, and um, it's just that, that idea that I think it was Maya Angelou who's credited with saying, you know, people don't remember what you said and won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So if I can behave with more kindness and um, compassion, not only to others, but to myself, I become a much happier person. I'm a much more peaceful person, a person that people want to be around. And um, I become part of the solution of life, living life in the penthouse. We can be happy, joyous, and free. You know, all I have to do, and I just have to say that, you know, my sponsor always says that just like everyone has different fingerprints, everybody has different food prints. So there are certain foods that it's best for me to stay away from. It's certain food behaviors that do not do well for me. You know, that, that night eating, that having that snack at night is probably one of the most difficult for us to give up. And I have many people who struggle with that. And I don't know what it is, but when I really, whether I get down on my knees, whether I just pray, whether I share with another, you know, what's going on, what I need help with, I, I find that willingness in it, within. And um, I love the three principles of honesty and open-mindedness and willingness. Uh, the HAL program was all about that. And so the food, I've got to be honest with what I can handle and what I can eat. And, um, you know, my abstinence is um, just eating sensibly, maintaining, thanks, Iris, I see that, five minutes left maintaining a healthy body weight. There are no foods now. I don't have a red light food list. When I came in, we didn't do that. And uh, there are foods that I do stay away from, but basically just like it promises in the big book, I kind of neutral around food. I keep foods in my house now that I never thought I could. 
for several years, I would have my husband hide something. I mean, as something as serious, as simple as the cereal he ate. I said, could you please put it in the garage? Because if I see it in the cabinet, I want it. And today I keep things that I never thought I'd be able to keep in the house. And I, you know, if I choose to have it, I have a serving full. It's just as a sanity about me now that I never had before with food. I'm very grateful. And it doesn't mean that any everybody can eat anything. We've got to be honest with what we can and can't handle. And the open-mindedness, so I went into these workshops on emotional sobriety and read some books and that some of the ideas are really, they, they, they mesh very well. And Bill Wilson actually in step 12 in the 12 and 12 talked about emotional sobriety being the next frontier. Once we have the substance down, then we need to work on our emotional sobriety so we can live fulfilling lives. And, um, you know, things like expectations, my one of my sponsors used to say, high hopes, low expectations. That, that idea that life should be fair. And then I've heard people say the fair is in Pomona. These are all helpful things for me to let go of my, um, you know, my rigidity that life should be a certain way, that I won't be okay unless this happens. No, I'll be okay in spite of that not happening. I'll get through grief and I'll be able to let go and turn it over by staying in hope and being open-minded and reading the next piece of literature and the willingness. You know, I could have the ability, I could have the desire, but if I don't have the willingness to do it, like step three in our step book, I said, you know, it says pray to God for the willingness and the ability. And, and I do that in various forms. I have a number of prayers. I had so many prayers accumulated that I separated them into seven piles. So I don't say the same one every day of the week. I, um, I love this program. It has given me a, a life within, my relationships are so good now. My husband and I have a marriage. We're going to celebrate 27 years of marriage at the end of the month. I'll be in Israel. He doesn't come with me, so we won't be together, but we will be together. And I, I've learned to respect him and let him be who he is. I'm not going to change him. I have a hard enough time changing myself. So I sit back, I rely on God, I ask for help, I pray for help, I ask for direction, I talk to people in program, and I share what works for me. And I hope that something I said will ignite something in you, will, um, you know, just give you the hope to have a beautiful day today, because really all we have is the present moment. And uh, with that, I say thank you for listening.